friends. This is Cliff Knight from Equippers International. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. We want to lift up Jesus and provide a place for you to learn more about Him and to grow in your relationship with Him. If you find the podcast helpful, feel free to share it with others. We believe it will be a source of blessing and encouragement, and you will be strengthened in your relationship with Jesus. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Equippers International podcast. We're studying through the book of Romans, and we're in chapter 2. We spent the last episode in chapter 2 in verses 12 through 16 talking about the law. It's the first mention of the law in the book, and we've said in that episode that Paul's going to take up the topic of the law extensively throughout the book of Romans. It's just the first time that he mentions it here, and he's mentioning it in the context of God's judgment And we've been in this long passage so far about God's judgment, and that's going to be the topic of our episode today. But before I do that, I want to make a couple concluding remarks about these verses where Paul's talking about the Gentiles and their relationship to not having the law and the Jews and their relationship to having the law. The fact that they both sin and they'll both be judged, it will look a little different. And he makes this interesting comment there in verse 15 that says that the Gentiles, that their conscience will bear witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. What is he talking about? Well, we don't know for sure, but if we think about kind of the essence of what he's saying is that the Jews have the written law. They have the visible tablets. They have the commands of God, and there really is no question about what is right and what is wrong and what they should and shouldn't do. But the Gentiles don't have that, according to Paul. So they're going on something more of this internal conscience. And he says this specific statement, and it's right before he makes the statement about judgment. He's saying that in their conscience, their hearts and their thoughts will alternately either accuse them or defend them. What is he saying? He's saying that because they don't have a definite written code to look at and they have to only go by their conscience, they could easily become double-minded or they could easily fall into doubt as they approach this idea of standing in judgment of have I done the wrong thing and have I done the right thing? It's a little bit of an emotional seesaw that Paul's talking about that could be very common to a person who doesn't know for sure what the right or wrong thing is to do, and they're only going on conscience. But he says that as it comes up to this ultimate phrase about judgment. And I've mentioned over and over again in several episodes, I wanted to hold my comments about judgment until we got to this point. So we're finally here. So this episode is going to be all about judgment. Now, there is one little statement here that Paul makes that is very interesting before we go into judgment. He says that on the day when according to my gospel... It's interesting that Paul uses the phrase, my gospel. Now, he talks on several occasions about our gospel. He talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But on three or four occasions, Paul uses this phrase, my gospel. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of this in this episode, but it is a study worth looking into because in a very real sense, Paul understood the gospel that he preached, the gospel to the Gentiles, was unique. Not unique, different, 
necessarily, but unique fuller. He received his gospel, according to Galatians chapter 1, directly through a revelation of the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. And I believe that in that experience, Paul received the revelation of the finished work of Jesus Christ. The other apostles understood the gospel primarily in the context of Jesus as Messiah, Messiah for the Jews. But Paul saw the bigger meaning, and that's a lot of what the book of Romans is going to be about. Paul understood that the gospel was a completion that went far beyond the work that God was doing through bringing Jesus as the Messiah for the Jews. It went universal. It went for all of mankind, and that included the Gentiles, and that was a radical development. And that is one reason why Paul received so much persecution, because he was pioneering this ultimate message of the universal good news of Jesus Christ. So for the apostles like Peter and John and James, the resurrection was proof positive of Jesus being the Messiah. But for Paul, the resurrection was proof positive that God had done a unique universal work for the redemption of all of mankind. So these are some of the things that are pertaining to Paul's gospel. There's other aspects, but I think it's very interesting that Paul links this to his understanding of judgment. Now, I want to give you a heads up before we launch into this teaching on judgment. It's going to be a little bit of a scriptural marathon because I really want to put this in context because I think it's very, very important. Paul says that on the day, according to his gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot to say about judgment. And there's three different areas that I want to mention. I'm not going to go into all three of them, but I just want to mention them because I think what I want to do is try to draw an understanding of judgment in this episode and specifically when it comes to judgment regarding eternal salvation, eternal destiny, if you can put it that way. First, there is judgment in the realm of God's judgment against the children of Israel. It's very much a part of the New Testament. It's in numerous sections, especially in Jesus' teaching on the Mount of Olivet. And God did judge the children of Israel as his covenant people, as he promised he would do in A.D. 70 when he destroyed Jerusalem and the temple and all the economy of the Jewish religion as a result of their disobedience and rejecting the Messiah. And that was a promise that God had given through the prophets for generations, and it was one that came to pass. And that's one realm or one sphere of judgment. There is another sphere of judgment regarding what I believe to be the end reward of believers who will receive a judgment upon their lives for the things done since they became Christians, and those things will receive a reward from the Lord. Paul alludes to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 when he says that God will come and he will reveal the motives of men's hearts, and each man will receive his reward. He will receive a commendation from God. God. We don't know a lot about what those rewards will be, but we do know that there is some type of judgment, a discerning of God in the area of rewards for a life well lived. Now, the third area and probably the most important area and one that people spend most of their attention on is this area of eternal judgment, of judgment that leads to an eternal destiny, if you want to put it that way. Now, I want to look at this, and I'm going to read several scriptures. But it's interesting that Paul says that this judgment that God is going to do 
He's going to do it through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the mechanism by which God is going to pass his judgment. Now, let's unpack this a little bit, because if you look at the survey of this idea of judgment throughout the New Testament, the book of Romans takes up this idea and talks quite a lot about judgment. We're looking at it right now, this whole passage. But after we move away from this passage, Paul doesn't have a lot to say more about God's ultimate judgment. And there's actually very few verses in the New Testament that specifically directly talk about God and Him judging. Now, I'm going to do a quick survey of some of the most significant ones. It's not an exhaustive survey that I've done, but it's one that lifts out those verses that most directly connect judgment to God's activity, especially in regards to ultimate destiny. So in the book of Acts in chapter 17, Paul is preaching his famous sermon on Mars Hill, and he makes this statement, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. So here you get this direct link to God judging all men, and he's going to do it through Jesus Christ, whom he raised from the dead. Now, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 and 12, Paul's speaking to the church in Thessalonica, and he's talking about those who will embrace false teaching. And he says, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth, but took pleasure in wickedness or literally obeyed wickedness. Here's the idea again that Paul's been talking about in Romans, that judgment will come because there was unbelief. They did not believe the truth. They traded the truth for a lie. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, when Paul is commissioning or actually charging Timothy to do the work of the ministry, he says, be ready in season and out of season. He says in 2 Timothy 4, 1, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Now he stops there. He doesn't go into any detail of how that's going to happen and what it's going to look like. But he says that Jesus Christ is going to judge the living and the dead. Now, by far, the most extensive statements in the New Testament regarding judgment are in the Gospel of John. It's very interesting that it would be the place that you would find this, but it's because Jesus has a lot to say about judgment. And who better to talk about judgment since he is the one who it has been appointed to that the judgment would come through. So now I want to look at the passages in John. There's three passages primarily in the book of John that raise this truth about judgment. One is in John chapter 3, one's in John chapter 5, and one's in John chapter 12. Those aren't the only places that the idea of judgment is on the lips of Jesus, but by far these three passages flesh out Jesus's understanding of judgment. And I think if we're going to develop a proper understanding of judgment, we should listen to Jesus. Now, listen to John chapter 3, verse 16. Obviously, it's a very famous verse, but I'm going to read all the way through to verse 21. I'm going to read these passages. I'm not going to make a lot of commentary on them. I want you to listen to them and allow the words of Jesus to speak and start developing our understanding of how judgment is going to work. John 
John chapter 3, verse 16 and following. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. There's the idea of deeds again. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Very interesting features of these verses. One, Jesus is making the direct connection between the internal condition of a believing heart and the externals of deeds, just like Paul did in Romans chapter 2 that we've seen in the last few episodes. So it seems to me very clear that Paul received his understanding of these things from Jesus, because this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in these verses. Now, notice that Jesus says that he who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe in him is judged already. Very interesting. So where is the hinge on judgment? The hinge is in the believing. Okay. Now let's look at John chapter five, starting in verse 22. I'm going to read 22 and 24. For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. Now, Jesus makes this beautiful connection between judgment and life and death. And he says again, the hinge is on whether you have believed in him who sent him, him who sent Jesus. If you have believed in the Father, then Jesus says you will not come into judgment that you have eternal life. So there won't be an eternal judgment of death upon your life. You've moved out of death into life. And this takes place in this lifetime. We can actually exercise our belief now that will move us out of a condition of spiritual death and move us into the condition of eternal life. Therefore, there will be no judgment pronounced against our life. Now, John chapter 12, verses 44 through 47. He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He's making the connection again between believing in him and believing in the Father. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The writer of Hebrews says that Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge them. What? What did Jesus just say? 
He says, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. What in the world is he talking about? Well, keep reading. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now, is Jesus preaching universalism? Is he saying that nobody's going to be held accountable and he's not going to judge anybody? No. Listen further to what he says. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Very interesting. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that the gospel, the news that Jesus came to proclaim, that the kingdom had come, that he was the savior of the world, this gospel message, the word that he spoke, is what will stand in judgment of people. Meaning that how we respond to the message of Christ will determine our ultimate destiny. That's how judgment will happen. God does not have to sit and deliberate over our lives or anybody else's life to determine what their eternal destination will be, to determine whether or not they will receive eternal life. That will be determined by us. It will be determined by the choice we make simply to believe or to reject to believe and to live in that place of faith until the very end, or to reject the truth and to not acknowledge the words of Jesus, we stand in judgment already, and that judgment will simply follow us through. So when Paul makes this statement in Romans chapter 2, that God is going to judge the secrets of men Through Jesus Christ, I believe this is what he means. It's not going to be some new dynamic, some new experience that Jesus comes and says, well, let me tell you exactly how this is going to work out now. Now, this is how it's going to work. We're going to look at this and we're going to examine this. No, that is not what it means for God to judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. It means that God has already done everything in Christ Jesus that is necessary to bring all of mankind in to being reconciled with him. And all they have to do now is believe. And if they believe, then they simply move out of judgment. And if they do not believe, they are judged already and they will remain in that judgment. Now, no, that's a lot of scripture. I've given you the references. Perhaps you can go through in your own time and spend some time reading them and meditating on them. But I think it's very important that we understand this notion of judgment, that it's a truth in God, but it's something that we need to understand and get right. Because in my experience, a lot of Christians live in fear with questions about eternal judgment. And let me just set your heart at peace and read you this last scripture in 1 John. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. It says there in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Verse 17, by this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. 
There is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. Now I'm going to stop there, but did you hear what John said? We have confidence in the day of judgment because we have come to believe and know Jesus Christ and we know the love of God. And because of that, we can have complete confidence without any fear about what the future will look like. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.